a reading from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. Now, concerning food sacrifice to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge. But anyone who loves God is known by him. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not bring us close to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you who possess knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be discouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So, by your knowledge, those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat, so that I may not cause one of them to fall. The word of the Lord. As a faithful Christian, would you take a goat and go to the temple of Apollo and offer it in sacrifice to Apollo? Imagine that most of you say, I am not going to do that, right? That's not part of my life, and that's not something I'm interested in doing. I'm pretty sure there's a commandment against doing something like that. Well, what about this situation? What if your neighbor came to you and said, hey, my son's getting married, and I'd love for you to come to the wedding. And I just want to let you know, as part of the wedding, we're going to be sacrificing an ox to the goddess Hera. And then the ox will be part of the wedding feast, and we'd like you to come and participate and enjoy that. Would you go to your neighbor's son's wedding and participate in that? Would you eat of the meat? Maybe some of you say, well, it would be an interesting experience, so I might go check that out. And some of you say, ah, still, I don't know. I'm not quite comfortable with that. That's not something that I really want to engage with and do. This may not be a situation that you have had to face in your life, but... Christians that live in polytheistic societies have had to deal with these kinds of situations, right? There's many different people around worshiping different gods, and they're participating in these cultural events and these familial and life events. 
and they're being invited to come and participate in these things. And then Christians have to decide to what extent will they participate in them. What should be your response if someone comes and offers you to eat some meat sacrificed to another god? Well, this is a situation that the Christians in the first century in Corinth were facing. And basically, Christians had kind of two responses to these kinds of situations that they each thought that everyone else should be doing. And they're each coming to this situation with a certain knowledge, with, with a certain outlook that they were basing their decision on. Some of these Christians said, yeah, sure, it's fine. It's perfectly fine to eat meat sacrificed to false gods. Because, in fact, there are no gods, other gods besides the real God. All these gods are, are false gods, they're not real. So this is just kind of make-believe, so it's not a big deal for me to go and eat this meat. But then there were other Christians who were saying, we can't eat meat that's been associated with an idol, because as Christians, we don't worship false gods. We don't worship idols. Eating meat that's been sacrificed to an idol is an act of worship, and as a follower of Jesus, I am not going to participate in such activities. I want to stay far away from such things. So you have Christians there in this church in Corinth. They each think that this different way to live is how they should respond to this situation. And so they write to Paul and they are asking Paul for some guidance and for some help on how they can sort this out and go forward as a community. Our reading from 1 Corinthians this morning comes from chapter 8, and this is Paul's response to these Christians in this situation. And so let's see what he has to say. Uh, before he really jumps into his argument fully, Paul reminds them of the importance of love. He says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge can make you conceited and arrogant. It can make you want to elevate yourself before others. But love is not concerned with building yourself up, but building others up. Even before he has weighed in on the arguments, Paul says, hey guys, don't forget about love as you think about how to respond to this situation. It's a key point that he's going to come back to later in this chapter. And then in verse 4, Paul kind of begins to jump into the arguments. And Paul agrees with the knowledge. He agrees with the facts that there is no God but the one true God. And that no idol in the world really exists. Paul acknowledges that. He goes on to say that there are so-called gods, but they are real. They are not real. There's the only one true God whom we call for, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things exist. If we read through verses 4 through 6 there of chapter 8, you might begin to think, well, maybe Paul is saying that, hey, you can go eat this meat that's been sacrificed to the other idols, because these gods are not real, right? It's perfectly fine. But Paul has some more things to say. As he gets into verse 7, he says, It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge, since some have become so accustomed to idols until now they still think the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Paul's saying there are these other people who do not have this knowledge that there is only one God, and these idols are not real. It's really important to understand here what Paul is talking about as he talks about this, this knowledge that these Christians don't have. 
He doesn't mean that they don't know the truths intellectually. These Christians know there is only one true God. They know that these other gods do not exist. They have been baptized. They have pledged their life to Jesus. They know in their heads that there is only one true God. The knowledge that they don't have is that they don't have it on an emotional and a gut level. It hasn't sink, sunk down into the core of their being yet. Right As this verse talks about it, it says, some have become so accustomed to idols until now. We have to remember these people have, have grown up there in the city of Corinth and they've spent their whole life going to different temples and worshiping other gods and offering sacrifices. This is part of their life, day in and day out, since they were born. They might have a memory of remembering when Grandma got sick and, and the family going and getting a goat and taking it to the temple of Asclepius, asking that God to heal Grandma and offering that goat in sacrifice and then participating in eating that meat as part of that ritual and asking for Grandma to be made better. Right? They have those kinds of experiences. They've lived in their life. But now they've become a Christian and they're wanting to turn their back on the worship of these false gods and they want to follow Jesus and the one true God and they don't want to participate in those sacrifices anymore. And anytime they are offered to eat meat that's been sacrificed to an idol, all that past comes flooding in for them. They remember all of those emotions and all that being there and the only thing they can think about as they're looking at that meat before them is the worship of this false god. They're not able to quite let go of it on this gut level yet. It doesn't feel right to them. So verse 8, Paul lets everybody know. He says, we're no better off if we eat meat or if we don't eat meat. He says, food will not bring us closer to God. Paul is letting them know that you are free to go and eat the meat or not eat the meat. But verse 9, Paul gets to the heart of his advice where he says, you have freedom to eat this meat or not eat this meat, but be careful. Be careful what you do with this freedom. Be careful that you don't use your freedom to be a stumbling block for others who may not have the same knowledge that you have. Paul wants these Christians to know that as they make this decision about eating meat, it isn't just about a matter of whether or not they think it's okay or not, but they have to take into account how it's going to affect other Christians and the people around them. And then verse 10 and 11, Paul makes explicit the danger here of what you can do with your freedom to eat this meat. People who are not ready to eat meat sacrificed to idols may be torn up by others' insistence on eating that meat. And Paul says here, these believe believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. Destroyed. Strong words, strong language there. He says, you going forward and doing this destroys another person's life. And so he says, be careful, be careful. For, for Paul, love builds up, it creates, it strengthens. But acting without love destroys and tears down. And when you get freedom to eat meat and do so without concern, without love for your fellow Christian, you not only sin against them, but you also are sinning against Jesus. Jesus died for all people so that they might have life. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could go around and destroy 
other people. In verse 13, Paul gives his concluding judgment. Paul says that in his love for other people, that if he has to give up eating meat, then he is going to give up eating that meat. He does not want to be the cause of others falling and being destroyed. He wants to build up and encourage them. And if he needs to sacrifice eating meat to do that, then he'll gladly give up the meat to do that. These Corinthian Christians, they have freedom to eat meat sacrificed to other gods or not. That in and of itself is neither holy nor sinful behavior. But it can become sinful if eating the meat causes problems for other Christians. Well, what about us? Right? You may not spend a lot of time being confronted with situations like this about no one may be coming up to you and offering you meat that's been sacrificed to an idol and you have to decide whether to eat it or not. But I do know that we have a variety of issues upon which there is disagreement in the church. Where Christians possess different knowledges and different life experiences that lead them to differing positions. Should Christians drink alcohol? Can babies be baptized? Is it okay to have an abortion? Is it okay for our society to kill people in prison? Is marriage for same-sex couples okay? Can Christians be rich? And many, many more issues. These words from 1 Corinthians remind us that we have to make choices in life and commit to actions as we follow Jesus. And one of the key things that we have to keep in mind as we live is how will our actions affect the other Christians around us? Because we cannot act without concern and bring destruction on those for whom Christ has died. We can do that, or we can act in love and recognize the freedom we have in Jesus gives us the opportunity to build up others. Now you may be saying, well, well, John, that sounds like great advice for really small matters like eating meat sacrificed to idols. But the things that we're dealing with today and in our lives, these are major issues and very important. They're serious matters, and we can't use that kind of advice to help us today. What we have to remember is that eating meat sacrificed to idols was not a small matter for these Christians in Corinth. This was a major and huge issue for them. What was at stake, was, and they, what they were talking about, was the proper worship of the one true God. The first two, ten, two commandments of the Ten Commandments talk about worshiping God and staying away from idols. It doesn't get much more important than this issue that Paul is giving them advice on. So Paul's words on this crucial matter for the Corinthian Christians can be helpful for us today as we face the serious and important issues that come before us. All of us are on a journey in our relationship with God. We're all heading down the road as we follow Jesus. But we are not all at the same mile marker. We don't all have the same knowledge, and we don't all have the same life experiences. Day by day, we take another step, and we learn, and we grow in our knowledge to be the human beings that God created us to be. And as we continue on our journey, as we grow in our relationship with God, we have to decide whether we are going to encourage and help others take their next step 
and their relationship with God, or whether we are going to be destructive and bludgeon others with the knowledge that we have gained. And I know that's hard to do. It's hard to love, and I struggle with it. On any given issue, I think I am right. I think I have thought about this, and I have figured this out, and I'm pretty certain this is the way that people should live. And then I talk to somebody, another Christian, who has a complete opposite view from me. And I have to check myself. I have to consider the life before me, the soul before me, the person for whom Jesus died that is there in front of me. And I have to ask, how can I love them? How can I build them up? How can I help them grow in their relationship with God? Sometimes I do that well, and sometimes I don't do that well. But the only way for us to live in Christian community where people have different knowledges and different life experiences and different convictions is to hold on to love and to put that into actions in the way that Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians. Right? Those Christians thought to themselves, some of them, I know I can eat meat. I know I am right to do this. It is okay. I know the truth. Another Christian said, I know that it is right, it is sinful to go to that temple and eat that meat. And you should not do that. They were firmly convinced in their convictions. We can use our liberty to fight and be destructive with each other, or we can use our liberty to love one another and help us all grow closer to God as we all continue to be transformed into the people that God has called us to be. Beloved, I want you to look around at all the people that are here in this room right now. Look at them. You need to know that the people that you are sitting next to and in front of and behind, that they think differently than you do on a wide variety of issues. They have different convictions on how to be a faithful follower of Jesus. You also need to know and remember that Jesus died on the cross for them to have life. Just like Jesus died for you. We can be in Christian community with one another, despite our differences, because of the love of Christ that Jesus has given to us and died for us. We can be a people that love one another, that sacrifice for one another, that build one another up and help us all on our journeys in life towards God. So today, pursue Jesus. Grow and live out your convictions. But ask yourself, do my decisions and actions love others and those that are around me? Or do they destroy them?